Uh, it's good to be here. My name is Jonathan. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, just so grateful to be here, to be able to uh, bring the Word of God and be able to walk through this series on parables. Well, as I get started here, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you have seen uh, the show Dragon's Den or, or Shark Tank or any of the shows that are, are on that side? Okay. Okay. Lots of you. Perfect. All right. So if any of you haven't seen it, the, the whole premise of the show is basically people are going to come in, they have a company, a business, a product, whatever. They want to pitch it to this group of investors. And basically the, the whole thing is they're saying, I would like your money. All right. And so they, they, give, they go and they give it their best shot. And then this group of investors are all going to sit there and then they're going to grill them with all these questions, right? And the big thing that they want to know is how they use their money, right? They'll ask them, how much money did you make? How much money did you spend? What did you spend on advertising? How much does it cost to get a new customer? How does your shipping work? How does your margins? All these things, right? They, they pepper them with questions to try and figure out, are you someone that I could actually trust to give money? Right now, I'm going to guess most of you probably haven't been in that kind of a situation, at least not that intense on TV. But even if you've done something like apply for a mortgage, you've probably seen a small version of what that looks like. The bank is going to ask you, okay, well, where is the house? How much does it cost? What kind of job do you have? How are you going to pay us back? You know, how long is it going to take? As soon as money gets involved, everyone gets really, really careful, don't they? They get really, really specific, and they want to know exactly how things are going to happen. And I think it's one of the reasons Jesus often brings up money in his parables. He talks about money because he knows everyone starts listening really carefully and starts thinking really carefully about what is being said. And I think Jesus brings that up so often because we are often very careless when it comes to our spiritual life. So today we are looking at one of the parables that Jesus tells uh, about money. I planned this, you know, quite a number of months ago and didn't really realize it would dovetail so beautifully with, with what Eddie and the elders are, are talking about this morning. But I think it's an important one for us to consider. So if you have a Bible with you, let me invite you to open to uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be this morning. And we're reading uh, the parable of the dishonest manager. It's one of these sort of confusing parables that Jesus tells. And yet I think it's so important for us to understand and to be able to think carefully about our spiritual life. So if you have your Bible open, would you follow along with me? Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 1. This is what Jesus says. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that the man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, well, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses." So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Well, it's as far as we're going to read for right now. But this is a bit of a confusing parable, isn't it? 
In fact, it almost seems the opposite of many of the other parables that Jesus tells, where, where, where someone is taking care of you know, their master's money, they, they you know, are dishonest, and they get punished for it. And yet, in this one, we see him getting commended, praised for what he does. And so we're kind of left to wonder, well, what exactly is going on here? This is a really bizarre story that Jesus is telling. What exactly is he trying to teach with this? All right, so what we're going to do here is we're just going to walk through this parable, make sure we're all sort of on the same page, understanding what the story is, and then I'm going to give us quickly three things the parable is not teaching us, and then we'll spend our time looking at three things the parable is teaching us. All right? So Jesus talks about a a master and a manager, right? You can kind of think sort of an owner of a company and and the CEO, right? The CEO, the manager, he's charged with running the day-to-day business, making sure things are actually coming in, going out when they're supposed to be. And we find out that he's, well, he's pretty bad at his job, right? He's kind of sloppy, things are getting wasted, and so, you know, the, the owner is having to pay for a lot more than he should have because this guy's not doing his job well, So finally, he's had enough, and he says, all right, come on in. Hand over the books. Give me all the records. You're out on Friday, all right? This is it. You're done. So the manager is starting to think, okay, well, well, what am I going to (laughs) do, right? Because he he wants to make sure that he is still going to be taken care of once once the owner finally kicks him to the curb. How is he going to take care of himself? And so he comes up with this idea. He is going to get in everyone else's good books right? Everyone in the industry is going to love him because what he does is he calls everyone who owes them money and says, hey, how much money do you owe? All right, here's a personal discount from me. Shunk, there you go, 50% off. How much do you owe? 20% off, right? He is handing out money left and right. And the amazing thing is at the end of the day, he's commended. He's praised for what he does and he gets to keep his job. And we're kind of left there thinking, well, Jesus, what are you, what are you doing here? All right? So here, three things this parable is not teaching. Number one, this is not teaching us to be dishonest, all right? This is not teaching us that it's okay to to lie and cheat and and to, you know, not pay bills or whatever else, right? Jesus, I think actually in verse 10 and and onwards, he's going to actually address that issue. We'll get there. But I think the rest of the Bible teaches us that as well. It's not okay to simply cheat uh, other people what they're owed, Number two, it is not teaching us that we can buy our salvation. This is not teaching us that we can somehow, you know, give away enough money and someone up there is going to pay attention and say, hey, yeah, I'll I'll take them in, right? That's not the message that Jesus is teaching here. The rest of the Bible doesn't teach that either. Finally, thirdly, this is not teaching us that we get to use other people's money however we want, right? That is still called stealing and lying, the Bible is against both. So, so what exactly is Jesus teaching us here? Right? What, what is he trying to communicate to us? And, and I think if we're going to understand, we need to pay close attention to what this manager is being praised for. Look back at verse 8. It says, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He's being praised for his shrewdness, his, his clever use of his last week on the job. See, this is, the point of this is not that we're supposed to be dishonest, but rather that we are called to be shrewd stewards of God's resources. This manager is commended because he's being clever, he's cunning, he's wise in how he uses what he has at his disposal. He realized, I've got a big problem. My time is running up, and so I'm going to use whatever I have to, to gain something greater. 
See, here's the interesting thing. This manager could have done or gone a different route, couldn't he? He could have said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pocket as much as I possibly can, right? I'm going to steal as much as I can get, and I'm going to run as far away as I can. But actually, he realizes there's something even greater to be gained here. In fact, he could use that that money, his position, his resources at the time to gain something greater for himself. Well, actually, friends who are going to take care of him. He recognizes his money here is a tool to be used and then uses it accordingly. Might I suggest, I, I think we ought to think of our own money in a similar way. But what I find so fascinating about this parable is that it comes with a bit of a rebuke for Christians, doesn't it? Look at the second half of verse 8. It says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus basically makes the point that often, oftentimes, actually it's those outside the church who recognize how to use their money and their resources to get what they want even better than Christians do. The people on Shark Tank and Dragon's Den have thought more carefully about how to build up a business than Christians have thought about how to build the kingdom of God. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, he says, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I think Jesus here is making the same point. Be smart and cunning in how you go about building up the kingdom of God. Use whatever you can. In any, uh, be creative about how you can spread the gospel of Jesus. We are called to be shrewd stewards of what God has given us. And that really brings us to then the second point. We're called to be cunning in serving God. Right? This isn't to simply you know, build yourself up, gain more money for yourself by being you know, particularly industrious or, or clever. It's a call for careful, strategic thinking about how can I use the gifts God has given me, the opportunities, the resources that I have to see God's glory go forward. How can I do that to the very best of my abilities? Right? It's asking questions like, okay, what do I have in common with my neighbors? How can I leverage that to actually begin to speak to them about Jesus? What, what gifts or abilities has he given me? Can, can I fix things? Can, can I actually go out and help people and begin to use that as a means to be able to share the gospel? Can, can I bake something? Right? That can very literally open up doors to talk uh, about, to get to know your neighbors, to talk about Jesus. What opportunities does my job give me that I can actually show tangibly the love of God or even speak about it? What, what can I do on my lunch break? What, what does that look like? How, how can I best use that time in order to see you know, my coworkers hear the gospel? What do I do with my house? Is there a way that I can use the, the property that I own, my, my car, my land, whatever it is, in such a way so that gospel is actually heard, that people come to see and know and love Jesus? How do I use my money in such a way that it will build up the kingdom of God? See, I think sometimes we, we assume God's not going to ask that kind of a question. And yet, if the bank is bold enough when they give us a loan to ask what we're going to do with it, surely God, who's given us all things, is going to say, well, well, how are you going to use these resources? How are you going to use these gifts? Right? The call to being a Christian and seeking to build the kingdom isn't call, a call to turn off your brain. The sovereignty of God is no excuse for lazy planning. 
We're called to be wise, cunning, as we use what God has given. How do I use what God has given me in the best possible way? And yet, this parable comes with a bit of a warning as well. We're called to be careful because we can fall into a bit of a trap that that we become so focused on, on using our money and resources wisely that we almost become obsessed Right, look back at verse 10 now in, in our text. Jesus picks this up and he begins explaining the parable. He says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus calls us, be faithful and wise with what I have given you. And yet there's also the warning, do not begin to worship or serve money. It's easy to begin with good intentions of wanting to, to manage things wisely and yet to become so focused, so obsessed that it becomes the very thing you are worshiping. Jesus warns we cannot serve God and money. So the question we need to ask then is, well, which are we serving? But maybe let me ask the question in a bit of a different way. Does the money you have serve God? Is the money in your bank account, is that God's money that you are able to use or is that your money that you might give a little bit away? So I think that kind of a question begins to show us where our heart is, is lying and where we are directed. See, one of the things the manager in this parable realizes is the money is a tool. It's a tool to get what he really wants. So is our money a tool that we can use to serve God with? Or has it become the goal itself to have more, to get more money, because then I'll be safe and happy and fulfilled? Jesus is right. We either use our money to serve God or it becomes the God that we serve. So let us look then for ways to leverage our money, our resources for building up the kingdom of God, lest we be stuck serving something that will ultimately fail us. See, here's the final point that Jesus makes. He says, ultimately, there is a point in everyone's life where the money that we have is going to be useless. So instead, let us use our money and resources for eternal life. I said at the beginning, you cannot buy your salvation. That's not the point here. But this manager realizes that his time, his resources are running short. And that he actually needs to be prepared for what is coming next. See, I think that's exactly the point. Jesus says, verse 9, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Again, it's not talking about buying your way into God's good books. It's realizing one day the money I have in my bank account will be worth nothing, no matter what the number says. See, there's a point in all of our lives, you're going to be lying in a hospital bed if we are so (laughs) fortunate to be even there. We're going to be dying, and it really doesn't matter whether your bank account has millions of dollars in it or if there's nothing. 
When you stand before God, it really doesn't matter how much money you have. When your life is laid out before him and all of the idols in your heart are shown to be what they are, your money cannot buy you anything. It will be useless. It is only those who trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus that have anything to cling to at that moment. It is only what Jesus has done. That is what will last. That is true wealth and true riches. So here's my question. Do you know Jesus? Are you prepared for what comes next? Have you invested in what is going to be of eternal value because all the rest of this will fade away? Jesus says, Mark chapter eight, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? The answer there is is nothing. In fact, we cannot buy our salvation. We cannot you know, work and merit enough to, to gain that. And yet what we cannot buy, Jesus has given so freely to all who would trust in him, who would repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus Christ. We are given what is of eternal value, the forgiveness of our sins. Are you ready for that day? For the day when we shall stand before God, have you trusted in what is of eternal value? For many here, I I know your answer is already yes. So then let me ask, so what are you going to do now? What will you do now? What will you do with these gifts, these resources, these opportunities that will not last? See, what this parable is all about is asking this question, what do you do with your limited time and resources so that it will matter when you stand before God? We actually need to think carefully about what we can do, about what God has given us, how we use our time and our energy to strategize. How can I make the greatest possible impact for the kingdom of God? The point Jesus wants us to hear cleverly with wisdom Use our temporary gifts and resources to serve God in a way that will matter for all eternity. That's the goal. That's the calling that we have on our lives. Let our zeal for the glory of God not be outmatched by those who simply want to gain more money, but would we use our gifts and our talents, our abilities in such a way as tools to see the gospel go forward more and more so that people can see that surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, as we give away what is ultimately of little value, would we showcase the surpassing merit and worth of Jesus Christ? That is our goal, to show the world what cannot be bought but is freely given in Jesus Christ. Let that be our aim and our desire. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you have given us all that we have. Lord, from the air that we breathe this morning to our health to be able to come here, Lord, all of these things are gifts from you. Father, I pray, would you make us into good stewards, wise and and cunning in our use of what you have given, Lord, to, to see the gospel go forward. Lord, I pray, would you grant us your Holy Spirit, transform our hearts that we would long to see your kingdom built 
Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for that grace we didn't earn, that we cannot buy, and yet is given so freely. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, and I pray, Lord, make us faithful unto the very end. We ask these things in your name. Amen.